We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Alexander. McCollum staying with him. Spins, gets inside. Left handed off the glass. Oh, what a sweet move. Giddy, tough spot. Back door. What a pass. What a play. And Jada picks the pocket of Trey Young. He'll take it himself. This is Udart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Uncontested Weekly Show. Part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and and uh, our good friends Dave's Hot Chicken and, and Sparko KC. I was I was about to say and the oh. love of my life, Sparko KC. Okay, I thought you forgot it for a second. Nope, <laughs> never. I'm your host on this Wednesday evening, JD Silva, joined by a trio of fellows. First one, it's Jacob Niffin. What's up? Hey. What the dog doing? There it what is. What the dog doing? Is that Bismack Biombo? <laughs> I just, I, I have a question for you guys. I typically only have the what's up intro, but I have a question this time. Every time I podcast without a hat, people make fun of my bald head. And I kind of feel like it's uh, similar to the Josh Giddy booze. When does it end? Like, how long do I have to podcast without a hat before uh, the bullying stops? Um, statistically, we have a sounder for that, by the way. Uh, statistically, if you podcasted for five years with a hat, I think you got to go five years without it before it becomes normal. No way. Statistics, Holmes. There is no way. All right. You just, we have to, if you want it to go away, you have to ignore it. But problem is, it's pretty damn funny to read. (laughs) I would, uh, vehemently disagree (laughs) with that assessment. Uh... Hey, Taylor, you're on this podcast also. As is my dog, Rumble. Rumble. <laughs> what the dog doing? And last but not least, it's Nick Rain. What it do, baby? You have a sounder coming up, Nick, that I thought I had. Didn't have. Jacob had it. But oh, we have it now. We made it happen made it last minute. We made it home. The little boy made it home, you could say. <laughs> Before we get started on this episode of the Uncontested, be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. And I've been seeing the TikToks. We're on there. Also, make sure to like the YouTube video if you're here live. If you drop a mean comment about me, you are obligated to also like the video <laughs> on YouTube. So do that, please. 
uh, if you don't make fun of me, still like the video. Uh, and thank you yes. for joining us live here tonight. Yes, thank you all. Um, Nick, you have predicted the outcome to this game many a times through something that we say on this podcast often. Here it is. He is going to make Shangoon look like a little boy. Folks, man. Thunder played the Rockets again after, uh, what, two-day break? One-day break? And uh, Two games in three days, baby. They kicked their ass again. They did. Nick, I want you to know that if you die by some <laughs> unfortunate means like cancer Bruh, or a gunshot wound what? At, your, dark. at your funeral, I'm going to say that you made them look like a little boy. My favorite thing know. about Nick. My preference is to be taxidermied when I die. <laughs> I just want you to know that I, I hope on your tombstone it says Nicholas Crane made him look like a little boy. That is my literally one of my favorite sayings. I use it in my vernacular all the time. I hope me at work talking about something. Does not say that. <laughs> Nick, I personally hope that that tombstone doesn't occur until much, much, much later on in life. Oh, I agree. However, I'm just saying, if it were to happen, <laughs> I will immortalize you uh, when you're saying. I only need to last through Summer League because you guys are going to be buying me a lot of food. Let's hope. At least we don't have to pay for your drinks. That's true. This is true. Yeah. We'd more that's more money for Nick to spend individually on drinks. But the (laughs) outlook there. So Rumble was freaking out. Oh god, I didn't even think of that. (laughs) Rumble was freaking out because my mom walked in. Uh she is watching Little Brooksy for us tomorrow. And I just can only imagine the ridiculous things she's going to hear me say out of context (laughs) during this live podcast. She's going to be She's the goat. Do we need to have a talk about Nick? <laughs> she she she's known that for much longer than the duration we've had this podcast. So that is fair. Nick's a favorite of Mama P. All right. Um, so the Thunder won one twelve to ninety five <laughs> over the Houston Rockets. That they did. It was a late one. Started at nine p.m. our time. So I fell asleep. Mentioning that, point. Silva, I gotta say, heading to that game because I was in attendance last night. Last night, a little worried. I didn't have any reason to be, but a little worried about the super late tip on a uh, had turned chilly Tuesday night, work night, school night in Oklahoma City on national TV. Just a little worried about what the, the showing would be like from the OKC Thunder fans. Shout out to everyone who went to the game last night. I thought the crowd was incredible. Every single seat wasn't filled and... But it was more full than I thought it would be. Uh, but very, very loud. Very loud. Um, very enjoyable. Uh, the crowd was a, a little rowdy. The late night crowd getting a little rowdy last night. So shout out to everyone who went to the game. I think it was a very good showing uh, for the city and for the fan base on national television. A pretty good showing by the Thunder also. It was not the uh, weird, like, below-average starts that they've been having against Houston, particularly in Houston. That didn't happen. It was a really fun game, like, for a while. Like, neither team was playing spectacular ball, but it was close until it wasn't. But let's go. Let's do what we always do, some big takeaways. Nick, yeah, what do you got? Uh, I have a question for you first. Yes. Where would you be mentally right now? The Houston Rockets had won both those games. Uh, I'll be podcasting with the lights off. (laughs) 
at least you'd be podcasting. I, yeah. I felt like we'd be like putting out an Amber Alert for one JD yeah. Silva. I'd have bags under my eyes. I'd, you know, I don't know. Yeah, would be on. with us smoking pack during the show. Yeah, like Poku <laughs> and Charlotte. Jeez. Uh, first takeaway, kind of for both games combined, is like we said early in the season when the Thunder got whooped by Denver and OKC early in the season. What we said was, man, you can really see how big of a gap there is between a contending team and a team that's like on the rise, but not quite there yet. Obviously, Oklahoma City is not that team anymore. Um, They're much better than that. They're at that contending level. But I think it just like cemented how good this team is. Like the Houston Rockets, despite being seven games, eight games under 500, are Better, not that the bar was very high, but better than they have been in the past. A lot of that's spending 60 mil and getting another two draft picks that were arguably top five talents, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but this is a team that last year, even, um, you could have argued like the Thunder and the Rockets could be on a similar timeline. And that's just not the case at this point. Uh, these teams are on very different timelines. Like, I don't see a world where these two teams are both like really competing at the same level for at least like another two or three years. So uh, the big takeaway is not necessarily about the game, more about the big picture where like this Thunder team has surpassed the group of five or six that we talked about during the tanking years and is, is by far the best. And it like this conceptually solidified it much further after watching those last two games. It's an interesting takeaway. And how much of that like to you is them getting SGA like, immediately like they're starting it with sga like if if sga uh, this is gonna sound obvious but if sga wasn't in the picture and the thunder were just drafting your j-dubs chets giddies and so on and so forth how differently do you think we would feel like would we would it be more aligned at that point because i still think that even the draft picks the thunder have made like if you compare jalen green jabari smith Amen thompson Ken yeah. whitmore yeah like i would still stack up chet and j-dub among the top of that crew, Shang and obviously I missed. If you point. remove SGA from the equation and just threw all the players from not all the players, all the drafted players over the past few years from the Rockets and the Thunder into a pool, and you just start picking out the best players, two Thunder players go first, right? Absolutely. Today or in five years? Like both. They're going to be on your team. Like contract and everything. You can make the case for sure. Um, like I, I think is the one, you know. Yeah, I think that um, if you remove Shea, like removing Shea, is, you can't just like pull him off the team. Like if right. Shea is not on this team, he got traded for Cade Cunningham on. Well, for sure. I'm just saying, like, if you take the recent draft picks and you just said, hey, they're all up for grabs right now between the Thunder and the Rockets. We pick one, they pick one. We pick one, they pick one. Like, what's the order of picks? Because I think it goes Dub, Chet, Shangun. And I... I mean, I'm a homer. I think a lot of the league, a lot of, like, GMs in the league would probably go the same way. I think that... Even the Rockets might take Amen Thompson over Shingun. Oh, okay. That's the that's direction you're going. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, and I also, for that same reason, 
would have Chet over Dub. Um, so you'd go Chet, Dub, Amen, Shangun. Yes. Probably that's Jabari that's after that. Why does it feel like... Jabari's been good. Why does it feel like they're not... I don't want to take us down this path, but it doesn't feel like for a guy that's that highly regarded as a prospect, and I agree, I like love Amen Thompson. Why does it feel like they're not you know, empowering him to do what he is good at? Like That's p- kind of part of the issue, was they're not putting... The guys they do draft, they're not putting him in situations like the Thunder have with their guys to succeed and like flourish at all. Like Amen Thompson's just like kind of sitting in the corner a lot of the times. Amen Thompson should be playing the minutes and the role that Jalen Green plays. That's Correct. the problem. With that freedom. Yeah. It's, and it's it all comes down cost, and they they won't remove Jalen Green from the equation. But it all comes down to something we've talked so much about on this podcast, and it makes it sound like homers, but it's a consensus around the league. Top to bottom, this organization is just in line. They know exactly what they want. Uh, the ownership is willing to let Sam Presti have full reins and let him see his plan come to fruition where the Rockets are more concerned about just making the playoffs and getting that revenue from their their, their ownership. That's where you know, it comes down to. Raphael Stone wants to be competitive. They hire uh, Adoka for the very similar reasons, and that's why they went out and got Fred Van Vliet. And that's why they went out and got Dylan Brooks. And now we're seeing where that's led to, uh, this is what happens when you speed up a rebuilding process like this. The more reps that Amon Thompson has in his hand uh, with the ball in his hands this season, even Jalen Green as well, just letting them kind of uh, work through that tandem, right? Rather than sharing reps with Fred Van Vliet or even Dylan Brooks, like the better off this organization would be long-term. That's not the case. And so we're very fortunate to have the, the structure, the leadership structure and ownership that we do here in OKC for that very reason. I think the leadership and the ownership structure is part of it, but the Thunder have just gone about it like a better way. When you look at Houston's recent draft picks this past year, Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore, both look like good picks. We all think Amen could be a very special player, but there's a long ways to go offensively, especially like scoring the ball. I, I mentioned on Twitter the other day, you thought the Josh Giddy, like getting ignored on offense was bad. Like, look at what the Thunder did to him in. Like, they pretended like he didn't even exist. Josh's three point percentage is, is quite literally double amends. Yes. Um, is it on men shooting like 18, I think? 18%. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's down to 15 now. Ooh, good. 0.149. Good. Um, last year, they took Jabari Smith and Tari Eason, two guys I really like. But both look like role players. Jabari could develop into like a high-tier role player. And then the year before that was Jalen Green, Usman Garuba, and Josh Christopher with all three of their first-round picks. <laughs> Oof. And Jalen Green was at two, right? Mm-hmm. And just, uh, I mean, Jalen Green was highly regarded coming out of the draft. just didn't work. But when you miss like that, and then going to this summer, this, the Thunder went into this summer and bought bad contracts for second-round picks. The Rockets bought veterans to come in and play and help them win games. Uh, and Roosh said it best. They spent $60 million and nine first-round picks to go from 14th to 12th. Right. I think I'm going to clip out, and Roosh said it best and use that pretty often. <laughs> As a sounder, I love that. <laughs> 
Love that a lot. Uh, and then, like, this isn't like a let's shit on Houston segment, although that's like one of my top five like favorite things to do in life. Um, I think a lot of this is just like we should be very thankful for what the Thunder have and how they go about things because they are in a very special place right now. Yeah, agree I think the, completely. Com- the conversation I think has gone this way. We haven't we haven't even talked about the game itself really because the game is kind of, was kind of a proof of concept or lack thereof from both franchises playing against each other, where the Thunder have a plan like we just described. That plan was set into action and like there's there's so much fun, there's so much talent, all the talent fits really well together. They're not rushing anything, and the Houston is is the opposite and like the. It, the roster itself doesn't seem to be on the same page. Like it's guys trying to kind of get their own. It feels like to me a lot. Um, the coach kind of seems pissed off. I mean, understand signing so. Dylan Brooks for $20 million actually turned out to not be a good plan. Who would have guessed that? <laughs> right, maybe the Memphis like Grizzlies really who literally said you are not welcome back here. Right. Maybe that should have been a sign. I don't know. Yeah. Fred is like really important to them. Uh, I don't, I don't feel like you should you should be relying on that. This, I want to say this early into the process. It's like the fourth or fifth year the Rockets have been doing this. But the the yeah. reality is, if Oklahoma City didn't own Houston's picks, this team would be shaping up in a really awesome way. I think because they would be playing a men a bunch and Cam a bunch, and they wouldn't have Dylan Brooks in the roster. They wouldn't have signed Van Vliet because they wouldn't feel like they had to expedite the process. They probably mm-hmm. would have a worse record this year, which is probably for the best, right? Like they probably would prefer Agreed. to have a worse record this year and get another top pick. Um, their hand was kind of forced. Like I, I think that looking back at that Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook trade, it, it really kind of screwed what this rebuild. And they're mm-hmm. still going to be good. Like the reality is this Rockets team has the talent to still be really good. Like they're not, they're not screwed, but in terms right. of like what it, what it could have been like, we're having a whole different conversation right now. If the Rockets own their pick this year. Yeah. Hey, I, you I have a lot of things I want to ask you guys about the Rockets, but I feel like we should get back to this game. We'll save it. I agree. Uh, the thing that stood out to me, maybe the most is I, I understand that Rockets fans are saying that the Rockets didn't play their best, best basketball either against the Thunder in these past two matchups. I would credit the Thunder uh, and their defense and their identity of play uh, contributing a lot to that. But on the contrary, I didn't think the Thunder necessarily played their best basketball either, uh, shooting 47% from the floor as a whole. And still, a lot of missed layups to contributing so, to that 47%. And we'll get into that. And then three-point percentage. They rebounded after a terrible first half, something you alluded to earlier, Silva. Uh, end up only shooting 37% from the floor. But the big takeaway, I think, from this game is even with that, the Thunder had the big three that we've kind of been alluding to comparing to the Rockets and J-Dub, Chet, and SGA. They were just absolutely phenomenal, even when the other players didn't have it. We talked so much about this team's depth and guys like Isaiah Joe and Aaron Wiggins, whoever it may be, stepping up on any given night. But last night, it was all about the big three. Uh, I I don't want to just read off stat lines, but I think it really does tell the story here. When you think about Dub, 24 points, five rebounds, five assists, only missed six shots, one three-point attempt. He was two of, or sorry, only missed one three-point attempt, was two of three from the floor and had two steals and two blocks. That's absurd. Chet had a double-double, 18 points, 13 rebounds, six of 13 from the floor, and obviously his traditional, uh, his regular three blocks. And then you have SGA, superstar Shea, who kind of got off to a slow start 
rattled off 10 points in like the last three minutes of the first quarter. He ends up with 31 points, eight rebounds, 11 to 21 from the four, a, a season high four made three pointers, four of six from three. And then doing his traditional things of his, uh, let's see, two, yeah, two steals. He didn't have any blocks last night. The big three was just awesome. And then we can get into some of the guys, obviously, like Josh Giddies and the Lou Dortz and, and some of those players, but the big three just really took over the game. Really, the past two games against the, the Rockets, and that's why we have so much reason to be so excited about this team moving forward. Yeah, they, they were great. I thought Chet's defense was insanely impactful. Um, Dub is just the, the MIDI is special with that kid. Like he can get to that shot whenever he wants, and he rarely ever misses it. I think your guys' big takes are great big takes. I'm going with Josh Giddy. Started the game playing like insanely aggressive, had nine of the first 11 points for the Thunder, um, getting to the rim, bullying guys. And I think a big key from that was they, they put Shangun on him like they always do. For what it's worth, whenever Josh Giddy was off the floor, they put Shangun on Lou Dort. Uh, they very, very, very clear that they do not want Shangun guarding Chet Holmgren. Like that was abundantly clear. But I thought the big thing was that Giddy didn't sit around and wait. He got the ball and closed that space between him and Shangun incredibly quickly and just attacked it. Um, I thought Giddy came out in the third quarter and was not very good and then closed in the fourth quarter and played really, really well, uh, especially hitting the glass. And I thought def uh, defensively, Josh was really good. He was closing out on shooters really hard, but never jumping. And I counted like five or six times last night where he would close out on a shooter, a shooter would pump fake and try to attack the closeout. And Josh would just slide his feet and wall up with his body and prevent the drive, which is something that slow-footed players struggle with. And Josh, like undoubtedly, is a slow-footed defensive player. He's never going to be your point of attack guy. He's never going to be a lockdown guy. But I think IQ-wise, he's a very smart defensive player. And I thought he really showed that off last night. He's being physical, getting his hand um, down whenever like guys drive to the basket. He had a couple of steals and a couple of blocks last night, I think. Um, again, the problem is the the up-and-down nature and... Doing he actually he had zero steals and zero blocks. I look because I thought he did too, but he had the game deflections. Before. The game but he also it was two and two then. And this um, season he or sorry, this season, goodness, this game he had deflections. Um, yeah. to your point. I thought he had more than that also. But you know, it is the Rockets. They're one of the, the bottom eight teams in the league. And so what does it look like when it whenever it's against a good team? Yada yada yada. Consistency. Some days it's good, some days it's bad. But credit where credit's due, I thought Josh. A little inconsistent during the game, but overall, I thought had a good game last night. And shout out to the Thunder. Ever since the All-Star break, I think four four games since the All-Star break, and I think they've won the rebound battle four games in a row. Yeah, and Josh has played a huge role in that. One thing you mentioned, Jacob, was the inconsistency of Josh last night, but honestly, it didn't really stand out to me so much. I, I've thought about this throughout the day today it didn't stand out to me as much of like a Josh issue as it was the entire, the entire team. I mean, that third quarter to start uh, for the team as a whole was just horrific. I think the Rockets cut it back down to like four at one point. And then all of a sudden Josh Giddy hits a corner three and then Lou Dort comes down and hits a corner three. 
his one leads to something else that right it when Lou Dort's not playing as well as he is and, and knocking down his outside shots and missing those layups that makes it so much more difficult to play him and Giddy together I thought Giddy did a really great job kind of again no pun intended but rebounding from that that third quarter yeah. and just I mean making some incredible reads there in the fourth that give and go like one-handed bounce pass to a cutting ju- uh, dub in the fourth quarter for the dunk which is like that stood out to me that was vintage giddy it was so awesome to see uh i love what you mentioned about giddy but i also mentioned lou dort he had a very poor night last time kind of curious your guys' thoughts on lou yeah uh to be honest lou was one of the reasons why i fell asleep no i'm, I'm just kidding <laughs> um he was doing a bad one lou was shooting over 50 percent in february he was doing a bad one he was doing a bad one fortunately the thunder have a, a, a big three and one of the guys is a rookie, one of the guys is a sophomore. And uh, you could kind of just, and they're doing this more and more as the season goes on. You kind of just say, hey, guys, uh, figure it out. And they do. Um, so that was awesome. Um, one thing on Josh really quickly before we uh, move on from him. Was that his first post-game um, interview with Kello? It was, Kello? in That's a long like, time. It's been a while. See. It's good to see the guy. You know? And it all kind of like coincide, uh, coincides with like what Jacob mentioned about like Josh's First Instagram story in forever. What a first and recently for Josh. A lot of firsts for sure. It's interesting. So it, it was great to see. They got Biombo in there as a Jacob alluded to earlier yeah. in the podcast. One biz biz bark Biombo. Great stuff. Much more willing Un- to bark than Gordon Hayward. Not something I'd ever thought I'd be saying on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I know this this was more about Josh that kind of pivoted into Lou, but one thing on Lou, the phenomenon we saw the last two games against the Rockets is fully what I expect in the postseason for what it's worth. I think I, I don't I don't think it'll be a a five, six, seven game series where Lou is like a consistent 40, 45% three point shooter. I think it'll very much be four or five one game, one of six the next, three of five the next game, two of eight the next. For sure. But this season he has been way more consistent and been like the direction is what excites me. And I'm hoping that it, that it continues for the next couple of years on that contract. Uh, but the direction of of Lou Dort and the lower volume, smarter shots, better shot diet, all that stuff um, has been really good. Nick, you and I talked a little bit about this, so I want your thoughts. We are now, with him actually getting minutes, four games into the Gordon Hayward experience. He did catch an alley-oop last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Chet Holmgren. I did not have that down on my things awesome. to expect. Um, but also, those, Chet's alley-oop the, the, that he the reverse from Dub. Oh, on my Chengu gosh. was pretty dope. Um, thoughts four games into the Gordon Hayward experience, Nick? And uh, worry, concern, optimism level, and how you think the next four play out? <laughs> Um, no worry, no concern. Uh, I'd say optimism level is the exact same as when Oklahoma City traded for him. Um, it would be a completely different scenario if this team was seventh or eighth in the West and really struggling and like needed a change. I think that we see a more aggressive Gordon Hayward and a more aggressive strategy and like implementing him into the rotation and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't think the four games and he scored like 13 total points in four games and like on not great shooting and he hadn't a lot. He hadn't played a lot. He hadn't done a lot. Um, 
but I, I think that's by design. Like, I don't think the plan was ever, like, if, if it happened, so be it. The, the plan was never for Gordon to come in first four games and shoot more than a couple shots a game. Um, like, I think the plan is intentionally slow play for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's a massive advantage going into the playoffs and like first round, are the Thunder going to implement Gordon Hayward in this new advanced role? Is he going to play a bunch of minutes? Is he going to close? We don't know because they kind of slow played him. Like all of a sudden, Gordon Hayward could be taking 12 shots a night in the playoffs. We don't know. Um, I think it's an advantage on that side. I think the other side of it is that there's no rush to do it. So like your question last night of the concern level, it's it's a zero for me. Like I, I think this is all by design. Um, I think it's a testament to the team that they've balled the hell out even without him. Like he's almost out there as like this guinea pig, like try to fit in where you can, and they're still balling. Um, it, what what it means to me is we've not seen the peak of this Thunder team. They're really hot at the right time, but they're still like they're still on upwards trajectory. Um, next four games, I don't really expect much different to be honest with you. Like, I don't think that there's there's like this switch where it's like, all right, you got four or five games under you now. Now we're gonna you know ramp things up. Like, I think it's truly going to be a slow progression. I don't think we see the Gordon Hayward we envisioned until, like, mid-late March, to be honest with you. I think that's fair. It's fair. Agreed. I, He's, like, quite literally just getting cardio right now. Yeah, he is. And he's contributing, he, but he's you're like, right. It's, it's... Defensively, I think he's been really good. Mm-hmm. Offensively, I think it is... This is going to sound like such a dumb comparison, and I understand that, but I hope you guys get where I'm coming from. Um, I think I hope you three get where I'm coming from. It's like this better be an avatar analogy. Oh, no. You said you three. It's like you 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 go to a gym you've never been to before to play pickup, and you know nobody there, and your two options are you get picked up and you go in. And you just try to like ball the hell out, show everyone like, hey, look at what I can do. But there's risk with that. Or you just go in and you feel it out and you like don't overexert yourself and you just try to fit in and be a teammate. That's what it feels like Gordon Hayward is doing. But instead of random run at a gym and pickup, it's a guy <laughs> making $30 million a year to play basketball. In the NBA yeah. on a, the number two C type for yeah. first, essentially in the but West. But that's what it feels like. It, it's like, you're coming into a new environment where you don't know anybody and you don't want to step on toes. You don't want to be that guy. And so, hey, I'm going to run hard. Yeah. Um, I am going to swing the ball to guys and and not stick on it at all. Show them I'm a good teammate. And I'm going to defend. Yeah. Right. And that's and, what this feels like so far. And he hasn't been put in a situation where he's been needed. Like this team's won by an average of 23 plus points per game since the All-Star break when he's been added to the team. I would I wouldn't be shocked if 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 one of these four games like came down to the wire or Shea got hurt or you know Dub needed an extended break and Gordon was asked to go create points. I think we're having a whole different conversation. He just hasn't mm-hmm. needed to. Like yeah. to Jacob's point, if you go out there and you're on a brand new pickup team and you're running the team 17 to four and a game to 21. You're just like, yeah, we're balling, whatever. I'm just gonna you know, run it. But <laughs> yeah. it, but if it's if it's 1919 and you got that dog in you and it's it's next point wins, <laughs> you, <laughs> could, you could take that shot. You know what I mean? Like he mm-hmm. doesn't, he doesn't needed to be the Gordon Hayward that he has been his whole career. Right. And the only other thing I would add, I know we're talking way too long on Gordon Hayward here, but 
he hasn't played since December. He's been injured. So imagine Jacob's analogy, but it's me who hasn't played pickup in like a year, and I'm going into that brand new gym trying to play pickup, and it I haven't played in a long time. Taylor, Taylor, don't worry. <laughs> right, right. You're going to absolutely ease your way into it, and uh, the organization is certainly doing that with Gordon. His, it looks like his bones hurt when he moves. <laughs> hey, Chet's <laughs> trying to get him incorporated. I know that much. Yeah, I like that. Firing him. That was that awesome. That yeah. was awesome. Before we take a break, your spark segment. Wanted to give a brief comment on uh, some Twitter discourse today. I know we all love tw- uh, Twitter discourse. Uh, it's very civil. I think it's very healthy. It's really civil. Yeah, it's it never awesome. gets out of hand. There was. There, there are a lot of takes we've exchanged on this podcast about tonight's game. A ton of them. About how successful Thunder have been with their draft picks, with their vision, with where they're headed. I think at the very bottom of that list, near the bottom, I, I, I have a, there's a thought of should the Thunder regret trading, trading Alper and Shingun? That's like the last observation I would make watching these games because... My immediate thought is if they had kept Shingun, he may have, he probably, Shingun is a good player, like without question. Probably would have helped them win more games. You probably don't end up with J Dub and Chet. And I'm not trading that reality for for anything. And and like I'm taking J Dub and Chet over Shingun pretty much every day for the upside and the versatility. Shingun is this is not meant to be slander, but he's like a more modern uh, like Vucevic type in my in my head. Uh, I don't know if that's like I actually liked Shaq's comparison to Pau Gasol. Like we've yeah. heard all the the except Pau Gasol was like an all world defender. That's the true. And yeah. Shengun literally is Can't like defend a toddler, a, a screen door with a full grown horse running at it. Like <laughs> not sure he could defend my <laughs> two year old on his little tight soup in our living. So, Here's the thing, JD. Yeah. Is like I understand we all like have different perspectives and interpret basketball differently. But I'm with it, it's not when I watch these last two games, I am not thinking about, oh man, they shit the bed trading Alperin Shungun shouldn't have done that. Like why would that be your thought when this team is tied for number one in the West? Yeah. Like there are so many other thoughts that should hit before you think, oh yeah, they could have kept Shangun, like Shea might win MVP and J-Dub's probably an all-star next year and Chet is incredible and they have a chance to like make a deep playoff run and their coach is really good and look at the depth they have and when will Gordon Hayward, like there's so many things that should come before they sure messed up trading the pick that was Shingun. I just, I don't get how that's your your take from watching this team. I want to go ahead and go here because I really want Nick to kind of end this. I, I I think he has some really good thoughts, and believe it or not, my mine are a little a little more brief than I think what I want Nick to kind of dive into. I understand, like, look, Shingun is a great player, and it absolutely was a miss by Presti to trade back and then pick up JRE for him instead. And you also get Trey man in that draft. And yes, like Shangun would be a, a great player for this team. But I think that thought that was tweeted out there last night or whenever it was this morning, you're assuming that this Shangun 
you're just implementing him on this current iteration of the Thunder with this J-Dub, this Shay, and this Chet. And that is not the case. If you drafted Shingoon to Silva's point earlier, you draft him, bring him into this organization. I mean, you probably do have Chet, but we're talking about the, the Chet Shingoon fit, right? Instead of the Josh Giddy fit, for example, where we maybe don't have Dub either. I just think it's very irresponsible to think that like you can just, well, if the Thunder would have just drafted Shingoon back in that draft instead of JRE and didn't do that trade, then you have this Shingoon, you have this J, you have this dub, you know, and that's not the case. You're you're assuming that like if you trade for Shingoon right now, it'd be the same thing as drafting him. And I just don't think that's accurate. Nick, take us home. Uh probably not what people are expecting to hear. <laughs> <laughs> um it's a hard question to answer because Silva opened it up with like, if you draft Shingun, you may not have Chet and Dub, which is which is fair. You also may though. Uh, the argument of Shingun is a solid player, and maybe you win more games. Didn't happen in Houston. They're the worst team in the league two years in a row with him at the helm. Uh, I think if you compare, would you rather have Shingun or Trey Mann? I think there's no question the the answer is Shingun. Uh, there's the whole Chet Shingun fit thing. I think it would work really, really well. There's, I think Jacob probably would be in the opinion, like he doesn't fit the thunder mold because he's more of a traditional big. The dude's a phenomenal passer. Like Mm -hmm. he, to, to me, he is, he is Josh Giddy in a center's body, like just as good of a passer. Um, not really a shooter, a big body. Can't really defend kind of slower, less athletic, but he's a great passer. He's a really good rebounder. Um, he brings an element to the game that's like this back to the basket bully ball. That while it doesn't it doesn't fit what the Thunder is doing, like that would be an awesome wrinkle to throw in. Um, I would argue if he's developed to this point in Houston, what do you think he could be in? He would have Oklahoma developed here for sure for three years. You know what I mean? So like to to answer the question, uh, did Presty miss? Yeah. Everyone does. Presti's track record speaks for itself. He can miss on a pick here or there. Uh, did it alter the Thunder franchise in a negative way? No. Like, look where they're at. Yeah. Um, so I think, like, to answer the question, Shingun in Oklahoma City would love it. I think this team would be better with Shingun than Trey Mann in a vacuum. There's so many factors. Do you get j Do you get Chet? Do you win more games? Do you win less games? I don't know. Um, it's kind of a moot point now. Like, I think that the Shingun discourse should quiet down because look where the team is without him. Like it doesn't really matter. Um, he's a really good player though. Like he, he's got a lot of flaws, but I think when we talk about the perfect pairing for Chet, like we always talk about the Isaiah Stewart's and the, these, this big body that, you know, he's not Isaiah Stewart, but he, him and Chet together, like Chet's this defensive minded guy. Shingun's like this bruiser that gets a lot of rebounds, both phenomenal passers. Like you can make the case that this Thunder offense would be unstoppable with Shingun. You could. I, I, Ben in the, in the comments over here mentions it. I think the real miss was Trey Murphy, the third, but that's a right. can of worms. We don't need to open yeah. today. Yeah. That one hurts right. to open. You want to talk about a guy that fits the Thunder? <laughs> good, That'd be uh, so a guy that fun. fits literally any team in the league. Trey Murphy. Yeah, yep. good. All right, good. it's time for our first break. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. 
match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. All right, we're back from the break. And... What better time than now to do our Spark OKC Spark of the Week. Spark joy at Scissortail Park's family-friendly joint, Spark. Dive into their menu of burgers, bites, and cold delights. Don't skip the must-try BLC burger, pink fries. I had a really light dinner. This is tough. I'm, this is making me good to read. Frozen Peach Club Special and Rotating Custard Flavor of the Month. Located directly west of the Paycom Center, Spark is the best spot to hit before or after a Thunder game. We all know two scoops or even three scoops of custard is better than one, so be on the lookout for Spark number two and three coming to Chisholm Creek and Nichols Hills this spring and summer. Now, we're going to pick our Sparks of the Week. A player, a concept, a moment that sparked the team or will spark the team. Who's going first? Me? Sure. You go for it, Silva. Give us your spark. You know what? It's SGA shooting more threes. Oh, dang it. He shot six last night and made four of them. That is, if he starts shooting six threes a game and making three to four of them, that is a truly unstoppable player. And um, he's slowly taking more as the season goes on. And it, he looks very confident in doing so. So that's uh, that's my spark. Silva, I tweeted out the other day some numbers on what Shea has to do to get to the 50-40-90 club. There's a legitimate chance. And when you look at his shooting since the turn of the new year, he's shooting like 47% from three. All right, all right. So this was my spark of the week. <laughs> it was SGA's three-point shooting, and the reason I was looking at my phone there is because I was finishing up my stats. <laughs> I'm the stats guy on the, this podcast all of a sudden. Statistics, uh, Holmes. That's right. Shout out, Justin. SGA has sunk 46.7% of his threes since January 1st on 3.4 three-point attempts per game. If if he's doing that, like it's just unstoppable. So I'm with you, Silva. More three point attempts on that efficiency. The efficiency will probably go down if he's shooting more. But if he, if he's getting more and more comfortable, 
from that step back or even the catch and shoot, which we've seen more and more of. Uh, I think the catch and shoot three point attempts, that's something I need to probably look up, uh, but it's been much better here in the second part of the season, even before all-star break, like that is just significant for this team. I can't say enough. That's the reason he's able to perform so well alongside guys like Dub and Chet. So that's something I had my eye on as well. Uh, I'm just going to piggyback off Silva here and say Shea's three-point shooting is my spark of the week. I'm going to go other side of the ball. Defense. Somebody on the pod went to guess since the All-Star break over the past week or so, how many points per hundred the Thunder is allowing? Is it like 102? We're talking points per possession, possession per, or points per yes, 102 well, points. If per 102 per possession, this would be a bad, be a real bad week. A lot of people are hitting that 102 point shot, you know, that they implemented. <laughs> um, I honestly have no clue, so I'm not going to have no idea. Okay, let me let me give you a, a frame of reference. So on the season, that would help. Yeah. Okay. On the season, I'm just throwing numbers at the wall. Yeah, you're just going to be guessing random stuff. So Oklahoma City has the number four ranked defense on the year, 111.1 per 100. Okay. And you're asking, what has it been since the break? Yes. I'm stick with my guess of 109. I'm going 105. 99.8. Oh, wow. Ooh, so I, 102, something pretty great. In the air. I know that's <laughs> the a stat super guy small on the sample. Podcast. I know that's a super small <laughs> sample. But in still this season of NBA basketball, when offense, I saw a stat the other day that said that um, 63 win Warriors team. Yeah, was not even a good offense these days. 20th offense this year in the league. Yeah. That's absurd, dude. That's stupid. Like, very. Back in the day, the net ratings of teams that won championships, like six was like, holy cow. Like the net rating of six, like this magic number. Now, like Oklahoma City is like 9.8 this year or something. And we're talking like historic teams that were winning championships are like in the sixes. Mm-hmm. 99 crazy. is insanely impressive. It is. And like the past five years, this year, it's really, really, and again, small sample. Four I understand games. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, with without that, I mean they've blown teams out. But like, if you're if you're only allowing ninety nine per hundred, you're gonna win a lot of games. Doesn't matter what your offense looks like. Doesn't matter if Shea's shooting forty seven or zero. You know, like that's that's incredible stuff. Yeah, the defense has been very very impressive. Which I was kind of leaning the same way, Nick. Which is why my spark of the week is. A player that most people probably would not guess. I'm going with Jalen Williams. Jay Will. They will. Yeah. In these two Houston games, I got the stats right here for you. Uh, down in Houston, the 123 110 win, uh, Jay Will played 12 minutes, but shot 50% from the floor, had five points, five rebounds, and an assist. Uh, when you look at the more recent game, 112 to 95, Jay Will played 19 minutes. He was two of two from the field, five points, three rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block. He's gotten back to drawing charges again. I just think he's been uh, a really good additive piece to the bench who 
did not get consistent minutes, but is starting to get consistent minutes now and has just done a lot for this team. They really like to throw him in there. We saw some of the, the two big lineup with he and Chet, which I think is really fascinating. He's just the kind of guy that will always come in and give you that energy spark. But I think the scoring, the shooting, the playmaking, Nick, you kind of talked about it. Like he, the offensive game, as far as scoring, he will never be Shingun like, but the passing and like the, the ability to like bang down low and find cutters a little bit of Shingun there in Jay will. I just think he fits this team so well. He's, quite literally like the soul of the team, the most infectious smile, the most infectious laugh, uh, an incredible kid. Uh, and that is why he is my spark of the week. Yeah. I kind of really think good. he's going to, I kind of, I really like Jay will like as a player and obviously the, as a leader and the vibes, all time vibes guy. Like, I don't know about you guys. I kind of think he's going to hang around like for a while on the team. Like maybe he's the JRE we had, all along, you know what I mean. We talked about him as a Nick Collison guy, but Jay Will seems to be that, and he's pretty dang good, I think. Yeah, I think the difference too is between him and Jerry. Like Jerry had a good three-point shooting rookie season, which is the reason he stuck, and then he sucked from three the rest of his career in Oklahoma City. I actually haven't looked at his Pelican stuff. I'd be curious, but um, the difference there is, and even with Isaiah Roby, like we're talking about some of these like backup small ball fives all these guys could shoot it jay will can shoot it and he's a big body like that like shingun a couple times would try to like post him up or like give him that shoulder that would send chet kind of flying and jay will either a draws a charge or b just absorbs it like he he's a guy that like we talk about Bismack Biombo being this guy that's like this toolsy situational guy. I, I agree with you, Silva. The reason that he sticks around, I don't think he'll ever be the bona fide backup center, but I think is like your eleventh to fifteenth man that plays situationally on certain nights. I think he's a, a perfect piece. I love it. Love the guy. My Anything favorite else? spark of the week in the chat, guys. Yeah. Our guy Ben says future spark of the week will be the Woj bomb, Mike. The Moose Muscala signing back with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Love that. I think there's a real possibility if he clears waivers. I would also love that. Get uh, get Mike out there. Get Taylor's favorite player, Lindy Waters, out there. <laughs> get Gordon Hayward out there. All the, you know, get all shooting. <laughs> all you know, I don't know. Clarify. I, I was trying to think of the weirdest shooters you could put out there. Uh-huh. 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 I wasn't going to say all the white people. I, I think they're all kind of sneaky athletic. Uh, I, I see what you're getting at. You're right. <laughs> all right. High basketball IQ. Uh, Thunder <laughs> Chick 2010 says Spark of the Week. The group post game interviews are officially a thing. I've, I do have a question though, about that. How long until the barking thing gets a little weird? Never. Never weird. Ever. No. I like that. I like that. As long as you're winning a little bit. Yeah, right. That's right. The thing. <laughs> if they do a <laughs> it's game three, the Thunder <laughs> go down two one in Minnesota, and uh J dub gets on the podium and she goes, Woof, woof, woof. Yeah, that's when it's <laughs> no, that my, my, sad yeah. no, no, my point is more this this like vibey stuff that's like it, it's funny, like we we joke about it as like this cool like barking thing. You know, 
15 other fan bases out there that their team is like they wish were the next young fun team oh yeah they're watching that like god damn it these guys are winning games and card. said we get one a year one a year nick he cashed Boom. in saving it for the rockets game <laughs> apologies to all the children on the stream tonight uh, for my friend nick cranes if you are a child watching this show Good luck. What are you doing? We need to talk to your parents. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Nick should have cashed it in as a he did make Shingoon look like a little <laughs> effing boy. Uh, that was awesome. Well, I, was I, I have I have more in the in the stash. I've got I've got more what F bombs? Uh, yeah, one I've per got, year. I've got, I've got more than Sam Presti has draft picks. What, what are you gonna do? Find me? Like <laughs> I've used my one. What are you going to do if I do it again on Sunday? For, for each F-bomb, you go like, down like one point. You gotta, in, the you predictions. point in, the predictions. in the predictions. That's right. We're going to find you. Oh, no. No. <laughs> I mean, they keep changing the rules on me when I was in first place. Nobody's Mistake. changed the rules. <laughs> Jacob has. You just like, picked every bad single games. Week. Don't every single week. Oh. All right. If you're going to tank, Taylor, do it with dignity, all right? <laughs> all right, we're done with our Spark OKC segment of the week. Thank you all. Thank you, Nick, for that moment. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm not going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Smoot in the chat. I know Lindy's Native American. All right. He's <laughs> trying to get a weird shooting lineup. It took a dark turn. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take another less dark turn after this break. We're going to talk about the draft lottery. Be right back. Okay. It's time to dip our toes into the lottery. I was like, do we have a sounder for this we want to use? Do we want to use the tank sounder for this? Do we want yeah, to use, use it for the rockets. Oh, that's awesome. Not too much, though. We need that to be above pick four. Loser! You're a loser! And that means that the number one pick in the NBA draft goes to... Hey, for what it's worth, even if the Rockets somehow got down to the Washington Wizards level, which, shout out to Kyle Kuzma saying uh, a few months back, nobody wants to be that team. And now they are quite literally that team. That's unfortunate for them. There's still a 50% chance the pick conveys to the Thunder. Like, even if they had the worst record in the league. So, at worst, it's a coin flip. I say that, knock on wood, we do not want those lottery balls to uh, to go the wrong way. When is the draft lottery, Nick? Is it during the conference finals? Draft lottery will be during the combine. Same Same time as the combine, which will be like May. So probably like second round, uh, like around the second round of the playoffs. Math. Probably, yeah, yeah. Because first round starts mid-April, two weeks, mm-hmm. and then second round would be the start of May. Can you imagine if OKC is up like three-one in the second round, and that lottery ball hits like pick six? That'd be nuts. That'd be nuts. How unfair is that? All right, let's dip our toes into this. I kind of want I don't I'm not a big draft guy at this point. I put all of my draft juice into 
Chet. All right. <laughs> and I've kind of retired from that game after that pick, which is why the injury was so devastating to me because I put all my eggs in that basket. Anyway, Nick and Taylor, Jacob, I don't know. They keep up with the draft. They know I am on. very well versed in the draft, Silva. Thank you very much. So let's dip our pinky toes into the draft waters. Talk about some guys the Thunder would like in this draft. This can be lottery. This can be outside the lottery. Lottery is more fun. So let's yeah, do for that. what it's worth, right now, the Rockets would be giving the Thunder pick nine, and Utah would be giving the Thunder pick 11. Utah only a half game up on Atlanta for that number 10 spot, and if it's number 10, it goes to Utah. So that one, I think, I don't know how Taylor and Nick feel. I feel like that's going to come down like possibly to the last week to see if Utah gets that pick or not. Or if it comes to Oklahoma City. I think it's going to be a very, very close one. Yeah. And and it could come down to the lottery. Like, not just the last end of the season. Oh, for sure. If somebody really down low jumps, yeah, that pushes Utah yeah. back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We yeah they they could be they could be like right at the cusp where it's like oh Oklahoma City's gonna get the pick and then yeah like you said someone at thirteen jumps and all of a sudden you don't get the pick which may actually be a good thing like there people can have your opinion you, you may think that Utah's pick this year is something you want you may think God no I hope they actually keep it and convey next year <laughs> it's all currency at. for me I mean I would love to have the currency there but obviously I don't think this Thunder team is in any position to draft more than two rookies at the most. Um, but that being said, we know what Sam can do with that currency. And so I, w- I would love to have that. And Taylor, for what it's worth, the Thunder at the end of the season, let's, for argument's sake, let's say Mike Muscala does come back to OKC. At the end of the season, Lindy is, they're, they're not going to pick up the team option next year for Lindy. I think we can all agree on that. So there's a roster spot. The Bismack Biombo, a.k.a. Bismarck Biombo, uh, will no longer be on contract. So there's two roster spots. Right. Uh, if Muscala came back, I'd assume they would move on. That would be three roster spots. And then Gordon. you have a decision with Gordon Hayward. Um, he will be a free agent. Do you want to bring him back on a team-friendly deal? There's no, potential trades I, to be I made don't even know what the second players round, on the roster. Yeah, I don't even know what the second round pick situation with OKC looks like. But at most, they're bringing in two rookies, and I don't even see that. I think it's one. Yeah, it's. I almost wonder. If you also the, have to consider all the cap space. Yeah, if if the Utah pick did convey, do they even keep it? That's a who right. knows kind of situation. Mm-hmm. I've been flirting with the idea of like, let's say the Rockets give you seven, and Utah gives you eleven. In this draft, can seven and eleven? And something else get you into the top five. What is something else? Is that it? Is it probably be a player? Unfortunately, well, duh, be a player, but like, well, maybe it's Josh, maybe it's Josh, maybe it's Josh, uh, a pick, maybe it's like that Philly pick that's they aren't giving up Kaysen, so maybe it's that Miami pick. Um, hell, maybe it's one of your own unprotected picks. So then you're looking at, and that was my other point, like, you're looking at. Further down the line, pick swaps, um, protected picks later on down the road with all the plethora of assets that Sam Presti has. I think that's probably the road that uh, Sam would go down. 
And I also wonder, and I think this is a good question for Nick. Obviously, like my dream is go get Cody and have the brothers in OKC. Is OKC the best place for Cody? Because he probably needs to go to a team where he can get a lot of reps and a lot of burn to develop into the high-end caliber player that he projects that he could be. I don't know if that's available in Oklahoma City. So, like, should they even go for the huge home run swing pick or should they go for like a role player? I think those two statements could contradict each other because of Cody's versatility. Like the first part of your question is Oklahoma City the best place for him to develop. No, because what he's been best at this year and what teams have liked most about him was when he got the ball in his hands and played point guard is when he's been the most impressive. He wouldn't get those on ball reps in Oklahoma City. No. So development wise, he would not get he, he would get burn in OKC, I think. I don't think he would get the burn that he needs to develop into that on ball guy. Um that said, you, you kind of contradict that like, do they need a, a role player? Cody's a six eight, six nine long wing that can also play off ball. Um, I think you may be hindering his his growth as a player overall in Oklahoma City, playing off ball in more of a company role, but he could still give you something off ball as well. Like, so it's kind of a, a two part question. Like he, he would fit in OKC and I think that he would provide value, but he wouldn't, and he would get reps, but he wouldn't get the reps he needs to be the guy that he can be. That's fair. But he could play that role. I think you're exactly right. Nick shooting 47% from three. A lot of those are on pull-ups. I don't have his uh, catch and shoot attempts pulled up in front of me. Also 70% from the free throw line. Like, and he can get to the rim. We've seen that more. The biggest question for Cody coming into this season was can he create his own shot and can he score? We know he was a great playmaker. Uh, he has the body and the length to be able to be a good defender. And he's shown that he can be, he can get his own shot uh, with this Colorado team who's stacked with a bunch of great playmakers. And so that's been really impressive to see. I think he could play a really good role for this team, but I'm still like, I, I would like to see Cody to Jacob's point somewhere where he can get more on ball reps. I think that'd be really important for his long-term development. If the Thunder are looking to draft for a guy that doesn't need reps like this, a guy that fills like a need, and to me, like a, a quote-unquote need, pick. right? Like, and and size appears to be like the the need. If there, if you could pick one out from this team, <clears throat> any names you guys can think of as far as like, like Alex Sar is the big one, obviously, yeah. but he could go top one. He, may, he, may one. Go, one. he, he could go top three. Um, any other names? What if I? Nick, what if I play a game? I throw out some names really quick, and you tell me if you think yes or no. I have some names yep. that come to mind. First one is somebody you, you know very well. Actually, personally, you've gotten to talk with him a little bit throughout the season. Tyler Smith for the G League game night. Give me some thoughts on Tyler Smith and his role that he played for this team. Yeah, I think he's he's like an ideal. Like If I think about Thunder guys, he's an ideal Thunder guy. Uh, a lefty shooter. I love lefty shooters. Jacob does too. Uh, he was like this kind of he played OTE. He went to G League Ignite. He was like six eight, six nine. He's grown to like six eleven now. Dude is like damn near seven footer. Like this big, strong power forward that shoots well from beyond the arc. Really, really effective rebound. Think like, think like Leonard Miller, but a little more fluid, fluid and less like kind of that awkward and orthodox game. Like a much more fluid lefty wing that six eleven that can shoot the ball well. Tyler Smith's a good one. Kyle Filipowski is a very popular name, especially after this past weekend when he got quote unquote injured, even though he played tonight and was perfectly fine uh, with the court storming. 
quick thoughts on Kyle Phil Filipowski from Nick and potentially Jacob. If you have thoughts on Kyle. Yeah, he could have gone first round last year, came back. I think he's a interesting name, seven footer in high school, played a lot of like center forward, if you will. Center point, point center. Yeah. Like that, that role where he grabs the board and brings it up, can shoot the ball halfway decent, big body. His foot speed concerns me a bit. Like the same reasons Jacob is a little bit anti Shingun on the defensive end. Filipowski worries me in the same capacity, but offensively it would be a great fit for this team. Underrated passer does a lot of things. Then my draft crush right just, down. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just gonna say it. I'm a little scarred from the last white Duke player in Oklahoma City. Don't know if I want to repeat that process. Thunder legend Kyle Singler will not be tarnished on this podcast, kinda, Jacob. Kind of drippy in those overalls, I got to say. He, he did. He did. <laughs> I have my draft crush here, uh, kind of like my sleeper that I've been thinking about throughout the majority of the season. And of course, he's starting to get a lot of buzz. So I kind of seem like a, uh, a public Joe is probably the term we would use here, Nick. But Dylan Jones out of Weber State, the alma mater of it's- none of than than Dame Lillard. Is he the six six like yeah, power forward kid? Yeah. Yeah. Twenty point five points per game, nine point five rebounds, five point two assists, two steals per game on forty nine percent shooting and thirty five percent from three. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit of do it all. He has like a, a very big body that he's able big, to defend but, at a high level. Yeah. He reminds me some David like Roddy. Keontae, yeah, David Roddy, uh Keontae Johnson is another name that Keontae is not nearly as tall. But I wonder, like, if Keontae was playing at a lower level, kind of like Dylan Jones was, or it currently is, like, what that would look like. At the same time, Dylan Jones is doing so many impressive things. I think he'll inevitably be a first-round pick. I, because of the big body David Roddy kind of game that he has, I just, I, I'm not huge on him because I think he lacks the athleticism. I also don't think he's the best player in the big sky. We'll, we'll touch on that on the bonus pod at some point. Sounds like um, he's living in heaven. Big, big sky is not a, <laughs> not a prominent conference, but I don't, I don't think he's the best guy in this conference. So interesting. I like that. Then my last guy here that I want your opinion on is Jalen Tyson, because obviously the thunder need more Jalen's on this team. And Damn it's it. even better. Hear me out. This Jalen is spelled differently than the other two. J A Y L O N playing for California. He's kind of started to emerge on the scene, getting some buzz from NBA teams. He is a, a, another 6'6 versus Kyle Wing, who can do a little bit of, of everything, 20 points, seven rebounds, three assists, one steal per game, 48% shooting, and 37% from three. I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Jalen Tyson. He fits the Thunder mold, but like, how many more of those players do you need is kind of what, where I'm at. Those are just some of those names that come to mind when I'm thinking about what Sam Presti looks for in the draft. Yeah, I like Jalen. Uh, he went to high school at John Paul II in Plano, like 10 minutes north of where I live. Um, I like him. Like he's a he's a wing that's a kind of a point guard, kind of like a J-Dub. Like I don't think he's got the same upside as J-Dub, but he's like a jumbo point guard that will probably play more wing at the NBA level. I wouldn't touch him in the lottery. Like I think if Oklahoma City had the 29th pick or the 35th pick, like sure, that's, a, that's an interesting guy. I don't, I mean... A lot's going to change. J-Dub at this point in his cycle was not a lottery guy. Um, things change. But as of today, I would not touch Jalen Tyson as much as I like him as a prospect. Is that is that a guy that the Warriors or Heat are going to draft? And then we're going to see tweets like, oh, my God, how do they get this guy? He's just perfect for that. 
Uh, I think that guy will be. It was like Pajemski and and Hawkins yeah. last year. I think that could be Tyler Smith that Taylor mentioned. Like right now, he's not really a lottery guy. He's kind of a mid to late first. Um, I'll throw out a name: Dalton Connect as well. Who? Uh, yeah, he's Dalton older. Exploded he's exploded tonight. Oh, he, he literally Hello. exploded tonight. Uh, let me. I got the screenshot. Thirty-seven points on eleven, nineteen shooting, five to seven from the four, and ten to twelve from the free throw line. Isn't he older? Yeah, he's. He's good. Connect. He's older. Yeah, he played it. Crazy played it, story uh, too. Northern Colorado before he came to Tennessee. I think he's gonna be twenty-three. And like Juco good, good before that also. Yeah, yeah, good player. Um, I I think he's a lottery talent. I don't know if he'll be a guy that Oklahoma City takes at like seven. Uh, a name that I have been thinking about quite a bit is Donovan Klingen. Uh, 7'2 at a UConn. I think he brings the same kind of like size and disruptiveness that Zach Eady does, but he moves much better on his feet. Phenomenal defender, um, shot blocker, has some good touch. Like I think he's a guy that if you wanted a perfect backup big for Chet, and you, you could argue like, why would you take a backup big in the late lottery. Well, you kind of can if you're Oklahoma city in this situation, yeah. you don't have to swing for this like high upside guy. If you think Donovan Klingon can give you 20 minutes off the bench and be a phenomenal backup big, I think you do that. So maybe we end on this. This has basically just been the ask Nick about draft people. Um, and I kind of like it. Just put Nick on the spot. This is Nick's time to shine. <laughs> wow. Nick, let's say the dream scenario hits. The Rockets bottom out. They realize there's no postseason available for them. Um, mm. And they decide just to tank it out. The lottery hits and they end up at five. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like that's the highest that pick can get. Yep. Let's imagine that situation happens. And on draft night, the order goes Alex Sar. I'm going to butcher this French kid's name. Zachary, yeah, that kid, Nikola Topic, and Cody Topic. Williams. Topic, yeah, and Cody Williams are the first four off the board. Yeah. The Thunder are sitting there at five, and they're going to Ron Holland. It's not close. Okay, Ooh. tell us a little bit about him. Uh, he is the like if you looked up basketball motor in the dictionary, like his face is there. Like he's this guy that just constantly on the move, like hundred percent effort freak athlete. Like, you know, Tari Eason kind of has that like dog defensively in him where it's like, like bad out of hell kind of kid. Yes. He is that defensively, but like number one high school player in the country pedigree and also young played for the ignite for years. He's hurt. He's out for the year with a thumb injury. Um, offensive game has a lot that was of a good decision by him. Yeah, I mean, camp, he, by the way, yeah, yeah, it's he, he, <laughs> he was out there during uh, All Star Weekend looking just fine. They're they're two and twenty. Uh, he is a guy that like preseason was like a number one or two overall pick projection has slipped a little bit because the offense has been rough, the turnovers have been rough. Um, probably because he's been asked to come in and lead a G League team as a 18, 19 year old and be the number one option on both ends of the floor. It's tough, but I think in Oklahoma City, like he would be bonkers next to Jet, like stupid good defensively has the offensive upside just needs the polish um bad out of hell is like the best way to describe him. like he he would be so good in oklahoma city i'm looking at him now six eight two hundred six eight you wow. you talk about needing that, uh, 
that four next to Chet if That's you want to slide like Dub down. Perfect four next to Chet. Well, I'm in. <laughs> you sold me, Nick. <laughs> the three-point shooting to, continues to concern he's me. He's not playing anymore. He's not playing, not playing anymore. Uh, ended his limited season shooting 24% from three. That's obviously a big question mark. And also his self-creation for his own shot. We resupport a super high level. In Oklahoma City. No. And Can also consider runs? he went He's he went not, from high school no to shooters. NBA three-point line in overnight. Like that's that's a hard adjustment. With zero spacing with the G League. I mean, Can that he, is. Is he a Thunder guy? Can he pass dribble shoot? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's do a spin before we do leave. the spin. I miss it. Hey, we've had people in our comments randomly over the last year talking about Zach Eady. Get the hell out. <laughs> Agreed. Oh, look at Ron Holland's five, actually five on this. On this mm-hmm. Love it. Boom. Here Can we, we go. zoom in on this bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> how how zoom do you want? Shit. Is that good? It's great. All right. This is one through eight. So uh, the only place that the either of the picks could jump is top four. Uh, you do not want that, folks. So if we see them pop up on the screen, watch the live stream, be, folks. That would be bad. <laughs> Here we go. Hitting the sim button right now. Uh, Spurs got pick number one. The Hornets different got French pick player two. to Houston with that Brooklyn pick. Oh, oh, the guy that I think is not a Thunder guy at all. That's hilarious. Rod Dillingham. I or Rob Agreed. Dillingham. I wish it was Rod Dillingham. <laughs> he would be my favorite Thunder player of all time. They have the Thunder at nine with the Rockets pick, taking Rob Dillingham, and at eleven taking Kyle Filipowski. If they yeah. draft Kyle Filipowski, we're making a pow pow shirt. <laughs> they call this him one. Flip. There's a lot of options. Flip. There. Yep. Is he cooler than Walker Kessler? Oh my gosh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good. He can he he's he is like I don't know. I just Walker Walker is so like stiff, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah he is. Like Flip <laughs> Flip has some he's got a little got hip a little flexibility. Yeah. He, he, go go look at his high school tape and he looks like like literally a point center at some point. It's it's impressive. Perfect. True. Nice. He would fit well. Well, I am now all in on the G League kid. Who's the other G League kid that you and I talked about, Nick? Buzelis. Buzelis. That's a a badass name. Franz Wagner 2.0, as they say. Is his issue that he can't shoot? No. I think he's a better shooter than what he's shown. His issue is he he went to Sunrise where Grady went and was like as good of a shooter as Grady. And then same issue as Ron. He went to the G League where it's like, hey, you're going from a high school three-point line. We're going to step you back like four feet. All of a sudden, he's been like bad as a shooter, but that's like his calling card. That's like mm-hmm. literally a shooter went to the G League and, and is not making his shots. But if you look at the form and the mechanics, like he's going to be an incredible shooter. And they say he's like six eleven. I think he's more like six nine. But jumbo shooter. He's not like a power forward, but the body, good wing though. Only shooting twenty six percent from the floor with the G League night, but he's been Ugh. much better recently. From the three, from not much, the floor. Sorry, no, sorry, floor. sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, God, from the three. dang Taylor. Uh, from <laughs> the floor, he's shooting forty six percent. But that guy is <laughs> another thing. The with, books. Another thing with Montas is he was injured heading into the yeah. season and really yeah. kind of struggled to find his footing. And then you add in all the other outside factors. Kind of G League night's been a bit of a disaster the past couple of seasons, and I'm with you, Nick. I think he's much better than what he's shown. I. Honestly, would I, I might take him over Ron Holland for the Thunder. Defense is pass dribble shoot defense. You can defense Ron, Ron, Holland, Ron Holland's floor is <laughs> stupid high. I think. Yeah. 
I'm no expert, but I don't know if the G League Ignite is the best place to develop yourself as a young. May not be around athlete. much longer, according to Adam Silver's comments at All Star. Oh. That's that's that completely inferring. Cool. That's not what he said. That just he he said we're reevaluating reevaluating <laughs> what that what that uh program might look like moving forward. Okay. Well, it's time to get the hell out of here. Hey, we should do this again. You know, every every once in a while, once we know, uh, you know, where Houston is. No, I thought you meant record a podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, we should do that again, too. <laughs> That's what I thought, too. <laughs> tomorrow night, I think. Someone's yes, tomorrow night, <laughs> one Taylor Peterson will be here. Hey, I always forget when I'm on the podcast, but I'm excited <laughs> and ready to go. We'll be back on Sunday. Hour-long post-game. Sunday's me. a late show, folks. We will be live after the Thunder take on the Phoenix Suns. I think that game tips at 8 p.m. Central Time. Holy that means hell. we'll be on at like 10.30. Well, you know what? I'll be a changed man, and I'll have my Dune popcorn bucket. I will have seen Dune too. Uh-oh. Don't I'll bring it on different. the show, please. I'll be different on that. Tune in. All right. Thank you guys for listening and tuning in to the live stream. Um, if you are if you are a child watching this, once again, good luck to you. Wish you the best. Go repeat um, Nick's words to your parents yes, and let us know how it goes. Definitely do that. <laughs> definitely do that. All right. Let's get out of here. Adios. And... Thunder up. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.